Welcome to Spark TO. Meet the speakers who are sparking conversation at Spark the Change Toronto. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Spark TO. We are here today with Paul Gibbons. Hello, Paul. Hi. Paul is all the way, is it, is it Fort, Fort Denver, Colorado? Fort Collins, Not even Colorado. close. Jeez, I'm off. See, this is what happens when you live in Canada. You kind of forget there's the U.S. down there. Paul is is one of our speakers coming up with Spark the Change, which is two weeks away today. We will be in two weeks talking face-to-face and shaking hands and running around the Royal Ontario Museum in Toronto. Uh, It's a two-day event in Toronto, June 12th and 13th, and its focus is to help people agitate change. It's the calmest way to say it. There's, it's, if you're in a situation in an organization and you're working with people and you're not sure how to navigate the team dynamic, if you're working with a boss and you're having some struggles, our whole goal is to give you the tools to navigate those things, to make positive change, and you know, if it's help you make better decisions. So that's what we're here for today is to talk to Mr. Paul Gibbons. Um, and we have, we're going to announce a little surprise I guess after we learn more about you and your talk because people are getting something special other than just meeting you so welcome what are they what are they getting what are they getting I can't tell you Paul it's a surprise uh, well I'm 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 I'd like to know myself (laughs) for my firstborn child (laughs) so introduce yourself so so welcome for for coming welcome for coming welcome to coming Uh, well thank you thank you thank you I'm stoked yay really stoked so let's spark some change. I have a dirty secret uh, to tell you. Uh, I was born in British Columbia. <gasps> You're a Canadian. Eh. Eh. We don't say that, by the way. <laughs> oh, don't you? <laughs> Sorry, something other non-Canadians say that Canadians say. Um, anyway, no, I was born there, so I have some claim to Canadian roots. Uh, but I moved away when I was six months old. And we moved to England and then to the United States and then to Belgium and then to the United States and then to Scotland and then the United States. So I, I've straddled. Um, Many boundaries. Country on your southern border. Um, I've lived in, the, in that. What's the name of that country on your southern border again? The United States. That place? The United, United States, States of crazy? United States. Uh, um, about half my life, about the other half in Europe. So. Very cool. Well, I sound a little weird. And, uh, and, you do have a mutt accent. It'll be strange, and different words are in different accents. Yeah, and depending on who I've spoken to most recently, so you have a nice, fairly neutral Canadian accent. But if I'm talking to a Scotsman, I might sound like this when I'm on stage. That's a bit weird. And then the guy from Brooklyn will come up. I was like, "Yo, how you doing? Hey, what's up?" So I, I, oh Gotti, afraid I'm very chameleon-like, and people unfortunately don't really people don't uh, people who don't know me. I can get a little thrown by like, who is this dude? He's a little weird, isn't he? Like, so I am a little weird, but um, and that's not the only way I'm a little weird. So that's my accent. Well, see, if you weren't a little weird, you wouldn't become a spark because that's an unknown prerequisite. Because oh, we're from weirdos. This is a place full of weirdos, freaks and geeks, and weirdos and individual thinkers is is what we really I'm try. try. I'm gonna try and not be weird. Then I'm gonna try. I'm oh. try be, I try to be normal. We are going to be in a museum with dinosaurs. So here's, we discovered this on Friday. 
So to get to the bathroom. Well, that's good because to- there'll be something there older than me. <laughs> be lots. <laughs> lots. Lots and lots. But um, we discovered on Friday, we went for a site visit at the ROM. And I just fall in love with this space more and more as we go. And to get to the bathroom, you have to go left at the Rhino and left at the Toucan. So I figure <laughs> if you're at an event and you have to go left at a Rhino and left at a Toucan to find the bathroom, that's, that's pretty good. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So you're going to light it up and tell people what's happening at Spark. Tell them about Spark the Change and the intro. What else? What else do you want to know about me? I, I, tell me everything. Oh, good golly, Miss Mine. I'm 57. <laughs> so, so that would take too long. All right, I, so uh, I, I, I was a scientist. I moved to England. I became an investment banker for my sin. We'll forgive you for that. Well, I hope so. I had a sports car when I was 23. That's what matters in life is having a sports car. I had one too. The younger, the better. Yeah. Yes. So I had a little sports car and then I became a management cons- uh, consultant. I had a lot of money too young. It didn't really make me happy. So there's a little lesson there, which we might talk about at Spark, about mm-hmm. happiness and fulfillment and purpose. So I'll bring some of that in there. And then I reinvented myself as a management consultant. So as I say to someone going from the, most despised profession to the second most despised profession. Just <laughs> step up. Way to go. Step up. I might make lawyer actually next. <gasps> oh my gosh. We'll so, talk about that off screen. And then, you know, I did, I, I became a change consultant. So I was a kind of banking strategist guy. I found a lot of stuff didn't, that we did didn't work. We used to recommend, um, write these long reports, these long studies. And, um, the organizations we wrote them for loved them, but they had a lot of trouble implementing them. So well, what's this all about? And at the time, I must confess, I also wanted to quit smoking. Aha. And I, used to, dun, dun, dun. I used to do cancer research when I was a little kid um, oh. in, in college. And, um, and it's kind of funny because I used to use cigarette smoke uh, extract and put it on, put it on little mices. I know it was gross, right? I wasn't in PETA then. I'm a PETA guy now, but I wasn't then. But anyway, so I was squirting little uh, uh, stuff from cigarettes on mice, and then they would grow tumors. Shocking. It's really gross. And then I'd go have a smoke. <laughs> For real. For real. Like I started when I was 14. So anyway, it's an interesting thing. Uh, so I became interested in how people change habits and how people change behaviors and how organizations, which are a collection of these habits and behaviors, creating a culture, you know, how they Mm -hmm. change, how you change big groups of people, align big groups of people. So that was my interest. I retrained as a psychologist. And um, and then I started my own company, which is very successful. It's in its 17th or 18th year now. I'm no longer involved. I sold it. Um, But um, a very, very successful consulting firm in England. Um, They work, uh, I think. You get get bored a lot then. I, I do move around a lot. Yeah. Uh, That's awesome. And now, and now, of course, I'm doing a writing book called Truth Wars, which is unrelated to anything I've ever done in my life. It's on politics, it's on economics, it's on the media. Yeah, uh, yeah. Some of it's related to business ethics. I mean, I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't launch into it now. Maybe when we get to Toronto, I'll talk a little bit about the Truth Wars. But it's about fake news. It's about uh, bias in the media. It's about how much we trust the media. It's about how much we trust scientific institutions. And we shouldn't. Truth about things. Well, we should or we shouldn't, you know, I mean, some people say, oh, the CDC says you should vaccinate. And some people say, oh, the CDC are just corporate shills and they're just in the pocket of big pharma. Or the Environmental Protection Agency in the United States says, you know, we need to regulate carbon dioxide because of climate change. And then there's 
almost half of the United States says, well, climate change is a hoax. Oh, that's not. Yeah. So I took a course a few years ago online called Critical and Creative Thinking. And the whole goal of it was to identify um, different filters that you could apply to facts in order to, you know, to seek the truth. So, you know, the red herrings, and I don't remember all of the, the different yeah. filters that you could apply. But the one thing that stuck out to me was whenever I read something, and I read like a crazy person, if something says a source, but they never link to the source, they never reference the actual source or what have you, I am very dismissive of any information that just says a source. You mean scientists say that does yes. like yes. eh, anything? Eh, yeah, immediately a red light goes off, and I'm like, you know what? If you can't quote me an actual reputable proven yeah. source, I can check. Yeah. yeah, what you just said That's is junk. really good. So. Yeah, and I think I think uh, we're now we're going into the truth wars. So one of the things that how do you survive in a world where you know there's fake news and where there's um, media bias and all of that, and one of the things is you have to be able to do your own homework, right? You have yeah. to be able to. You have to have the skills. Yeah. say, oh, hang on a minute, uh, the Pope endorsed Donald Trump for president. He um, did. Don't I say that um, out loud. Let me oh, fact check that. Him. Well, I'm sorry. That's a, that, that news was extremely widely shared. Yeah. Which uh, it's nonsense, obviously. Yeah. And, and so the reason I'm right, well, I say we're not going to talk about truth wars, but here we are talking about truth wars. Well, we've, so we've got we about 30 seconds to wrap reason, up the truth wars. There's 2016, right? I had a million conversations with a million different people. One conversation stood out, right? I'm walking along with my brother-in-law, who's a middle-of-the-road American. I said, what do you think of the elections? It's like a week before. It's on Halloween night. We're walking. The kids are doing their trick-or-treating thing out in front. I said, buddy, what do you think of the election? He says, I think it's great that Pope's endorsed Donald Trump. I said, dude, for real, you got to fact-check that, man. Go on factcheck.org, Politico, whatever. Just fact-check it. He says, the fact-checkers are all bent also. Wow. And I so thought basically you're going to believe what works for what you need to believe at the time. Well, exactly. But how are we going to make decisions in a democracy? If you can't even agree, is unemployment high or low? Is the crime rate high or low? Is inflation yeah. high or low? Is poverty high or low? Are people healthy or are they unhealthy? So, I mean, can't even agree on the facts. How are you going to agree where you're going to go and how you're going to get there? So we're actually going to use that as a we're going to use that as a segue because the truth wars is awesome, but we have to get back to the spark wars. <laughs> let's, do let's do that. We've used up our entire ten minutes talking about truth wars, which we no. weren't going to talk about at all. It's all good. But actually, it's it's interesting that you bring that up though, because one of the main one of the goals of Spark is to allow yeah. leaders and the employees to have that. Um, democratic conversation to have that truth sharing so this is not honestly it is a it is a, a proper segue and one of the main things that organizations run into problem wise is that leadership prevails under this industrial mindset where it's still very a top-down situation the problem being that the people who are building the organization like you just mentioned have access to the real news and the way things could be and it's creating that bridge between deconstructing the industrial mindset and building those bridges to the, to the people who have access to information that the, the leaders don't necessarily want them to. That is the whole goal of Spark. And, and you mentioned at the beginning about changing habits, and that's one of the things that we need to do yeah. is to change that habit of, I don't have to tell you, you just need to, you, you know, we're on a need to know basis and this is what you need to know. You know, and I love your, the title of your, of your talk for Spark. And you're our, you're our opening guy on Monday. You're the oh, big, really? you oh, are. Well, at least, um, you know, people say, well, it can only get better. 
<laughs> or you lead with the best, you know, it's six and two threes. So the, I'm going to read you a little, a little doodad for Paul's talk. It's the behavioral revolution, how to change culture and behavior with 21st century science. Changing behaviors matters. What people say and intend has value, but without alignment of actions with words, results don't happen. I provide insights from 21st century science, nudges, habit change, and offer leaders tools they can use to drive change in business and in society, which does, you know, that's exactly what we're looking to do, right? Is to, is to take, what you, take what you know. Yes, yes, yes. Somebody's come home? It's my children. My children right. are home. And I think the words stay downstairs didn't, uh, didn't communicate. Anyway. It's all good. Thank you. Hi. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, you're, on, you're on TV now. All good. I have a dog in the background that should start barking any second. So it's oh all good. Oh, my God. Stay downstairs. I know that's so hard to understand. Anyway, yes. So good. So, yeah, that sounds like it. That sounds good. So that's what we have, have for you. So that's very cool, though, because it is a habit change. And we all know that change is hard for people, especially when the process isn't put in place to create the buy-in. So if you can talk a little bit about how integrating science into that change allows people to be successful in adopting new habits and creating a more positive workplace. I mean, that sort of goes to, to what you're talking about here. Well, yeah. And I do want to say that I've been thinking a lot about it um, between the time that we said we were going to do this and now. Mm-hmm. And I am going to put in some stuff on organizational d- democracy. Cool. I am going to talk about how you move towards uh, and organizations are slightly less top down. Yeah. See, I didn't and, even know that. Look at us being all in sync and everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, because that's probably because I thought about yesterday. But um, uh, <laughs> um, but I think I think it's important, and it relates to what we're talking about. The two boards is is how do you give people the skills? Because right now, many organizations, if you make them, this happened at Zappos, for example. We'll yeah. turn it into a democratically run organization. Tony has said. People who are unused to having that kind of power, autonomy, authority, don't necessarily have the mindset and skills to be able to make decisions when they were used to them being handed down by Big Brother. It's very and paralyzing. So that's what struggled with in their holacracy implementation was, you know, how do we not just reorganize the structure into what holacracy calls circles, but how do we get the circles to interact with one another and how do we right. delegate authority within the circles and how do we have the right mindset? Cause they're, you know, anyway, so that's, so that's one thing I might touch on. And I think the other thing I might touch on is organizational purpose. I think that's um, really something that um, uh, particularly in the U S as I have in the last few years is there's an assumption that what are businesses for and what's the measure of a business. And I think the dominant paradigm is still, businesses the dominant paradigm you measure the value of a business by what's on its balance sheet yeah unfortunately i think that's atrociously misguided i think business the measure of a person is not how much money they have it's how kind they are how compassionate they are how much they contribute how effective they are how they serve the yeah. people in their lives social responsibility so why would we think of corporations differently why would we think the measure of this other human entity is not human value because we mm-hmm. measure humans by their human value. Why wouldn't we measure? So I think, you know, that's the way I think we need to move is towards a society where corporations are valued by what they contribute. So do you think that that should be a, a marker that people use? So you, you have Simon Sinek, of course, who always has his book start with why, which quite frankly, I great guy, but I found that book rather confusing to read, loved his videos yeah. and Ted talks and what have you. 
But are you thinking, when I'm listening to what you're saying, my immediate thought is the public is now judging organizations by their corporate social responsibility and their human face, and that's driving their buying power. So when an organization fails to realize that they need to be engaging in their community in order to drive buying power, yeah. is, is that a habit change that needs to happen or an understanding of habit change that needs to happen? Well, I think we need to change the paradigm. And the paradigm is, is this company a valuable entity? And we need to look beyond the balance sheet. Yeah. And then now that we're looking beyond the balance sheet, the balance sheet is evaluated by Wall Street analysts and Wall Street people and by accountants and by investors and all of that. The company writ large is going to be evaluated by the people, yep. right? To, which it's accountable to. I want companies to be accountable in a sense to the people. And so if it is, well, what does that mean? That's a strange thing to say. Mm-hmm. What does it mean for Walmart to be accountable to the people? What would that mean? It would mean things like paying a living wage. It yes. would mean things like, you know, quality of products and quality of customer service and treating communities as well and, and all that sort of stuff. So we start to assess that, but we don't have the structures now to assess the damage corporations do or the good that they do apart from the balance sheet. And so I think that's where we need to go. So I'm, I'm interested, in, I'm gonna start with that. I'm not gonna uh, turn it into a long, long talk about purpose and corporate social responsibility and sustainability. But for me, you know, that's an important context because uh, I'll go back to Karl Marx and I may actually mention the name Karl Marx, which wouldn't play in the United States at all. One of the things he said is that people would be alienated from their work if they worked in organizations that were structured in the way, Mm anti-democratically, top down, and where the product of their labor went to somebody else. Like somebody else is getting the value for my labor. So he was ahead of his time. Alienation. Well, today in the 21st century, you have this thing called engagement. And we worry a lot about engagement. What's the opposite of engagement? It's alienation. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that he said? Because he said some very interesting things. You know, we think work is hard and you, one of the paradigms is, you know, you got to suit up and show up and, you know, that work is drudgery. Marx said that work is what defines human beings. It what makes us special and not just our work. That's the value of a life is the work that it does. And not just the work that we do individually, but the work we do in community, building cathedrals, building the pyramids, building the, you know, the corporate monuments that we have in the world, building Notre Dame. Building that together is what makes human beings special and more than, look at the lights kind of. I know, it's kind of freaky. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, super bright in color. So anyway, um, uh, that'll give people a flavor for it. So, you know, it'd be unlikely to stick to the script too closely. So I will talk about behavioral change. I will talk about habit change. I'll talk about some of the research that's been done on how you change cultures by changing habits. So it sounds as though you're going to be, which is very cool, and this is what's happened in Spark previously, is that um, our speakers have have responded organically. They obviously have a theme. You know, you're obviously very experienced and, and talented speakers, so you go in prepared, absolutely. For me, anyway, if you're a good speaker, and not you, you, but just in general, you, yeah. you're able to see the structure of what you're trying to get to, but you're also able to respond organically to the audience's interests and where they may be driving the conversation. And you're able to adapt, right? Just like organizations need to for a variety of reasons. You're able to adapt to what the true interest or read of the room is. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. What's that? And that's, honestly, we've had some amazing experiences where speakers have been able to do that. And it sounds like that's one of your goals, which is, fabulous because it opens up just so many opportunities for things that you don't expect. 
Yeah, I mean, the challenge is there's a lot I want to say and there's a lot I want to convey and I want it to be radical and I want it to be unlike what people would hear at other change conferences around the world, the ACMP and how do you engage the right, stakeholder right. and how do you develop your sponsors? There's lots of places you can go for that. Yeah. And I've people, spent a lot of time studying that and doing it. But let's, you know, let's get out of the box and talk about some things that aren't being talked about. Yeah, absolutely. And I, think, and I think that's my goal. So if I were to summarize it in one. Very cool. So we're, I'm just having a look here. So we can, re we can reveal the surprise. Mange, how does this, how does this, the lighting in this camera collaborate to me? <laughs> look like, uh, I look like a... Looks uh, very, what's his name? The uh, Adam, not Adam. Ansel you? Adams. Ansel Adams, the photographer. That's what it looked like briefly was that, you know, his stark well, black and white contrasts. I think my camera is adjusting the aperture as I move closer or as I move further away. I think it's your light that it's adapting to. Well, we, have a lot of sun, we have a lot of sun in Colorado. Yes. Well, Ontario tries to. It tries valiantly, and sometimes it succeeds. And, and we have had more rain in the last month than we've had. I think our, the lake right now, I live right on the, the shore of Lake Ontario, and it is the highest it has been since 1918. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Like docks down at the marina are literally like bending up out of the water. And oh. it's... It's, well, that can both be cool and a little uh, worrisome, depending on what's the elevation of your house might be. Well, I'm far, I'm like two, I'm three blocks north of the lake. So I'm far enough up that I don't need an arc quite yet, but you know, yeah. we're, we're getting a little concerned. So I'm going to, I'm going to reveal the surprise, which you will, you do already know, is that everybody who attends Spark the Change is going to be getting a copy of Paul's book, The Science of Successful Organizational Change. And we have some other treats that are happening for people who come. And I think you're right about your camera. The further you step away, the more Ansel Adams you get. It's, it's a weird thing. It's all good. Uh, how's that? All right. There Perfect. You, go. you see, you have yeah. to see in like this. To see, I, I just have to kind of freeze. <laughs> so I'm just going to give everybody a brief, um, a brief how do you do. So rank number one on Amazon Books on organizational change in 2015 compared with Switch the fifth Discipline and the Halo Effect, readers say, brings change management into the 21st century and the best book on change I've ever read. Links the science of human change to the science of changing businesses and debunks management myths, which I think helps to really create buy-in. For me, anyway, I'm very left brain in that capacity. So if you can give me a fact for why I should change what I'm doing, I'm good yeah. to go. If you come at me and you say, I feel you should whatever, our conversation's pretty much done right there because... I'm not interested in how you feel about this. I'm interested in what you know and can tell me concretely about this. That's so funny. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm a little odd. Um, so highlights 21st century research that leaders can use on change strategy, business agility, agile cultures, and change leadership in a VUCA. I was going to say Vulcan, but VUCA world. What is VUCA? I know. Live long oh, and prosper. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Oh, cool. People so will know, I mean, people may have heard that before, but it was a term the army picked up when they, they were in Iraq um, for volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, where the business context was now been adapted by the business world. But now yeah. the business context is more complex, more volatile, more ambiguous. Describes most of the people about, I know. Well, what do we do about, well, is it true, first of all? You're a little out of sync, so we're just going to pause for a second. It's so a question of just army made up a word, and you know, is that necessarily true? Oh, what happened? You just froze for a second. Lose me? 
Well, this is so everybody, oh, I, I, I think we stated at the beginning that I'm in, I'm up in Ontario and you're down in Colorado. So, you know, that, um, that internet can be a tricky thing. Maybe it's yeah. the wall. It's the wall. Yeah. Getting away. No, sorry. <laughs> yeah. 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 Trouble so <clears throat> push pause, for, push pause for one second. Sure. One sec. So I, um, I stalked Paul a little bit online and, and one of the things I have here is his, it's a very nice picture of you, by the way. Well, I'm 10 years old now, sadly. But anyway. So. <laughs> Nobody needs to know that. Um, so this, I really love this statement. So um, you talk about my books and speaking and coaching are aimed at the intellectual business person, the leader who loves the interplay of world-changing ideas and practices. I love to shake things up, provoke, challenge, or challenge orthodoxy, sorry, and debunk myths to help their businesses break new ground with new insights. Um, and there's more to that quote, but we're going to, we're going to leave that part off. But I really love that you said that. And then I've got a little bit here. This is, comes from stalking people. Time after time, we produced recommendations. And this is based when you said you were at, at Wall Street and derivatives uh, trader and what have you. Mm -hmm. We produced recommendations that clients loved and did nothing with. These disappointments produced an insatiable thirst. How does change really happen? It seemed to be much more than just having bright ideas. And I love that because people, I mean, people come up with bright ideas all the time. And the difference between a bright idea and change is the execution. And if people get these ideas, and this is one of our main things at Spark, we don't want to just give you a whole whack of stuff. We want to give you easily actionable ideas that you can take back to your organization and you know, shake as much as your organization is willing to take at that moment. We're not saying go in with a flamethrower and, you know, get rid of everything. But if you can take one thing out of Spark that's going to allow you to, you know, make a change for the better. Yeah. And the good news is, is that next month there's an opportunity to, you know, introduce one more thing. And next month there's an opportunity. Small steps lead to big change, right? Yes, yes. So Pretty good. let's give some people some details. We should let people get off to their lives. People who have been diligently listening as we've digressed <laughs> and moved around and, and whatever. It's all good. Yeah. It's sure. all value. Um, so tell them, tell them, tell them what, tell them what they need to know. Tell them what Spark. they need to know. So they need to know that if they come to spark the change, they're going to meet you and they're going to have the opportunity to, um, and I've lost my webpage, so I'll find it again. They are going to have the opportunity to network, uh, learn, play with dinosaurs, figuratively not literally because if you touch the dinosaurs they'll probably get really angry at us um, so you can visit 2017.sparkthechange.ca to get more information about our speakers and the location you can register right now for $5.99 for the two days and that's two full days at Spark including you know all meals three books I believe uh, everybody's also going to get a Lego serious play kit there's Very a ton good. of stuff that's going to be going on so check it out but that kind of thing, you guys aren't making any money. We are a not-for-profit. All those giveaways. That's a really great deal, by the way. I mean, uh, you could easily be charging twice that in the United States for a conference like this. Easy peasy. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Well, our goal is to make it as accessible as possible for as many people as possible so that it's industry agnostic um, and that people who are in small startups or not-for-profits or whatever can come and learn from the very beginning how to set up their organization in a way that sustains long-term growth. And you don't get to that 150 critical mass where all of a sudden you realize that everybody's been operating in silos and nobody's talking to each other and 
we give you all of those tools so that that 150 tipping point passes by and you don't even realize that it's happened. Really good. Because you're ticking along. Thank you so much for joining me, Paul. Is there any, any last wise words? Uh, yeah, people can, uh, well, first of all, I'm psyched to hang out with people. So I'm going to uh, be there for 90% of the, uh, of the thing. And I look forward to after I get down off the darn stage. Actually, we don't use a stage, do we? We walk we do. No, no, we have a stage. I'm going to have a stage? Yeah. Dang. That's all right. I have a tea stage, so you get to go out into the audience. Nice. Anyway, so yeah, um, but I'm looking forward to hanging out with people and, and swapping stories and getting to know people who are there is one thing. People want to check me out further, go to paulgibbons.net, www.paulgibbons.net. Yep. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. If you love Paul Gibbons YouTube, uh, there's a dude who's a musician and there's me. Um, so um, well, you're I'm, Paul G Gibbons on some things, so that's um, Paul G Gibbons somewhere. But I, you know, yeah. I mean, um, apart from the guy who's uh, in jail in the United Kingdom, I think I'm the most, the best known Paul Gibbons right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always a good me. differentiator. Don't confuse, don't Not in jail. Me. Don't confuse me with that dude, please. Yeah, uh, not yeah. So check me out. Uh, I'm looking forward to hang with the people that come. Uh, I know we're going to have robots there. Uh, we're really going to be experimenting with uh, how the how the um, two days are designed yep. and some quirky and cool and new and exciting things. Indiana and so Jones. Like what I'm going to say, and I think also the, the ethos of Spark is let's not do the 200th conference on, you know, how do you create a stakeholder map and a stakeholder power map? Nothing like that. Let's not do that. Yeah, we let's don't do, do that. that. You know, let's, that's maybe change management 101. Let's do stuff that could be like, say, graduate school. I know that sounds like formal. Let's do some stuff that's more advanced, some more out there, more radical, really thought-provoking. So let's do that. And that's the plan. I think, um, I think our, our illustrious leader, Jason Little, would probably um, fall over from a heart attack if anybody started spouting that kind of stuff. So, oh, would he? Yeah, would maybe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe. All right, Elizabeth, it's been awesome. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Paul. And I'm, uh, so we're going to sign off, everybody. Check out Spark the Change Toronto. We're on Twitter at SparkConfTO. We are, we are everywhere. We're just everywhere. We're like All a really right. nice virus. All right. Thank cool. you. And let's talk to you and me. We will. Thanks for listening, and please visit us at sparkthechangetoronto.ca to learn more, or you can follow us on Twitter at sparkconfto.